Jacob, I have a question for you. Why teaching and not music? <laughs> Why teaching and not music? Well, there's, I don't know, my music life, by the way, for people that aren't patrons and have already heard this voice, there's a, there's a bonus episode over there on our Patreon where I talk about my voice going away. So for those of you who aren't patrons and haven't heard the bonus episode, my voice is gone. So apologies. I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to try and project as much as I can. Um, in any case, so I played music my whole life, right? There's old, like I have like VHS cassette tapes of me sitting in front of my dad's red drum set at like these parties. We had like this lake house, I guess. It wasn't really a house, like a lake cabin kind of. And my dad would play drums with his guitarist that he had known for a long time. I think his name was Pat. Actually, I do. That's his name. It's Pat. Um, and they would just play and they, they knew every song, right? They knew the Eagles and they knew Rush and they knew the Rolling Stones. I mean, they would just play and play and play literally for hours and people would just, they'd be outside fishing. Kids would be outside running around, but most of the time people were just like hanging out and kind of partying and just dancing and singing along. And we have these old videos and all the kids are running around except for me. I'm sitting right in front of the drum set just hanging out there. I talk about this in teach me teacher a little bit, the book, but I'm just sitting there and I would, I was just so obsessed with it. And then eventually I became old enough to kind of play. And, you know, I was playing, uh, some basic songs by age of five and then about seven, eight, I was getting kind of good. And then, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. And especially by the time I became 14, you know, I was basically playing every major rock song you could name and, And I had a bunch of bands with my cousins and we played some shows and uh, my cousin ended up going to recording school or audio engineering, I guess is the the real term for that. Um, And we played in the same, like I recorded in the same studio as, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan and played on the same piano as Elton John that he did a couple of his songs on and uh, just kind of like this prestigious studio over here in the Dallas area. And, uh, it was amazing. I have so like, those are literally my best memories I have of growing up. And still to this day, I listen to songs that I made and I still play them. I remember them. Um, there's different eras of me making music. So music is a huge part of my life is why I'm saying all of that. Uh, and for a long time, I thought I was going to pursue music. I, I, that was my job. That was my job, right? I was going to become a famous drummer or Later, uh, I started getting really into guitar and I, I never, I've never been a singer, although I've tried many a times and I still try to this day and I can, uh-huh. you know, I can kind of carry a tune, but I am under no circumstances do I call myself a singer, but I do call myself a drummer, uh, guitarist and, and I dabble in piano a little bit, but my, my vision for music was always that I would be in a band and we would make it and we would tour and all of this, but life has a weird way of happening, you know? It, uh, I met my girlfriend who became my wife when I was 17. I had a kid when I was 20. Uh, and here's the thing. You have to make massive sacrifices for music. I mean, it, huge sacrifices because it, it's, there's no guarantees and, it, and most bands don't ever make it big. You live literally from concert to concert selling merch and just kind of going through that grind. And there was a brief time when I graduated high school uh, and I was playing where I, you know, I would, <laughs> I would literally like be home and I would tuck my wife into bed at like 10 because she had a, uh, she had to wake up early. She had the morning shift and then I would leave in the middle of the night and go to the jam pad that we rented and I would play all night until like 4 a.m. and just, and play all night. And then I would drive home at like 5 a.m., pass out. She would go to work and then I would take, I would go into work later in the night shift. And we lit, that was our lives. I mean, that's so wild to think about because we don't do that anymore. Not even close to that. (laughs) But that was, I mean, that was my life from 
pretty much aged like 18 to like 20, 21, maybe that might be a little too far. I, it wasn't very long, but it was, it was a, at least a year, I think at least two years where we were really trying and pushing kind of as, uh, you know, people with freedom outside of high school and whatnot. Um, but I was going to college at the time and eventually my son came and when my son came, you know, that changes everything. It was, it's responsibility and everything. And, uh, I started kind of channeling my creative energy elsewhere because I also wrote as a kid. And so I started writing novels and I wrote like six novels in the time from like age 20. I finished my first novel when my son was born. That was my goal because I had been dabbling in it. And I was like, I want this to be done by the time he's born. And I remember I finished the first draft like right before he was born. And then I spent, I remember editing it, like bouncing him on with a, my foot as in his rocker. Right. And so that was, that was like my goal. And then after that, I was like, holy crap, I can write a book. You know, it wasn't very good, mind you. Like, it, <laughs> but like, it's one thing to like when you start something, then you're like, oh, like I here's seventy thousand words, right? I think it's about seventy five. But this is a novel, right? And once you do it, you're like, oh, that's what it is. And so, like, I I wrote another one, another one, another one. I ended up writing like six different books over the course of a few years, um, and I realized that that was satisfying me in a creative way. Uh, that music did. Now I was still playing music at home, but I wasn't really envisioning the band, so to speak. I was still making music and then flash forward a little bit. I become a teacher. And then I realized that teaching has the similar creativity, the similar, the same excitement I get when I'm sitting on a drum set, right? I'm looking at my drum set right now in front of me. The excitement that I get playing on that where I'm just in the zone and I'm feeling it and I'm excited and I'm, I'm just making up different beats and I'm there. Sometimes it doesn't go well, but a lot of times it does. But regardless, I'm, I like the energy and I walk away from it feeling more creative and, and more empowered, so to speak, as just a person. Uh, I get the same thing from teaching. The exact same feeling when I'm in a lesson and, you know, I have the plan when I sit down on the drums, I have beats, I have rhythms, I have skills that I have just like when you start a lesson, but then you start changing things based on feedback, based on how you feel, things start connecting, you vibe a little bit and teaching gives me that energy, which is why I think I'm so addicted to it. Um, and so when I discovered that, Teaching was always kind of my fallback, right? It was like that job where I was like, I think I want to be a teacher, but I, you know, I'll do that if this other stuff fails. And I ended up becoming obsessed with it and and falling in love with it. And then obviously, I channeled my create my creativity into podcasting. And then Teach Me Teacher has music, and you know, and now I create all of its music. But back in the day, you know, I would just use basic samples, and then I slowly got more advanced with that. Now I literally write whole songs that become part of the Teach Me Teacher thing. So why why teaching about music is because it it's it's all the same muscle to me. Music is is an outlet. Um, and teaching is, is an outlet plus something meaningful. So it wasn't ever a conscious decision. If, if I, if I had a, someone come to me and say, Hey, you can tour right now and play drums and, and do that and be a rock star. Like if there's someone just had a magic wand, honestly, I don't even know if I would say yes, because it's just, I like being at home. You know, this, I barely leave my house. Like I, <laughs> I stay, I, I, I do all of this stuff digitally, but I love my home and, uh, my family and, and everything else. And, um, I'm, I'm not antisocial, but I love my house. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would change that, but I don't know if that's an answer. It, there wasn't a conscious decision. It was, it was, I'm always looking to channel my creativity, channel that energy that I have and get fulfillment and, and teaching does it the same way music does. And, and honestly, in deeper ways a lot. Um, but I still do it. I, I, I have weekends where I become obsessed with songs I'm making and I make them. And sometimes I share them with friends and sometimes I, they're just for me. And I think that's, that's, that, that's, that's an interesting life to have, I guess. Well, there you go, everybody. That's why teaching and not music. <laughs> so it's really teaching and music. Yeah, the music isn't gone. It's the and honestly, <laughs> more people hear my music today because of Teach Me Teacher than they ever heard when I was actually trying to do something. Literally like tens of thousands of people across the world hear songs that I make. They might not know I make them, but I make these beats and these songs all the time that I infuse into Teach Me Teacher and literally 
literally actually like millions have, if you calculate all the listens I've had. So I'm living the best of both worlds, in my opinion. <laughs> there you go. Well, everybody, welcome to Craft and Draft. I'm Pam Ochoa. That's Jacob Chastain over there. And what are we talking about today, Jacob? All righty. We we're just going to talk about what we're doing right now in our classrooms. This is such a you know, I I love kind of just talking shop, and Ochoa and I talk shop literally every day of the week because we work down the hall from each other, and, uh, you know, we riff back and forth, and, oh, she's pointing at me. She has something to say. What do you got? What do you got to say? Well, we talk shop when he's willing to listen, but I think this last week, there's been a few times, Jacob, where I would go, hey, hey, and you're like, I, I got to work. Bye. You wouldn't even talk to me. I was trying to get questions answered. So, uh, God, you know, it's it's an interesting relationship to have where we spend so much time around each other and we talk on the podcast and we do all of these things. And see, here's the thing. I am always less prepared than Ochoa. So she sometimes <laughs> is is ready to have these long conversations. And I'm like, look, I got I got to get this out because I'm not nearly as prepared as you are. And so we have these moments where I just kind of have to walk away because I know we're going to talk about it. We're going to hit on it. Okay, but you're making it sound like I'm just in your room bothering you all the time. No, I'm preparing everybody. There's a reason why I'm prepared because I get there a little bit earlier. That's right. That's not not your fault. And, you know, you're a teacher extraordinaire. You've been doing this far longer than I have. And you could could literally wake up and they were like, Ochoa, we have a let, we have to teach in five minutes. You got to go. And you would be like, sweet. I've seen you do it. You did it the other day. It was like two weeks ago. You had to watch a class. They sent this, this class. It was a science class. I think they sent it to you. And what did you do? Inform our audience of the, of how you (laughs) literally created a lesson out of thin air. Tell them, tell them what you do. Well, yeah, I had this class and they, well, because we're, we're having trouble. I'm sure a lot of places are. They're having trouble with getting teachers. They're having trouble with substitutes and we're no different. So we have to cover each other's classes. We're always helping each other out. And so this time it was a sixth grade science class and uh, they came to my room. So that means there's nothing written on the board. And uh, and the teacher was actually giving a test uh, to her eighth grade class. That's why I took the sixth graders. And I said, so what is our topic? What have we been learning? And then from there, yes, what I did, they were learning minerals. And they were learning all about rocks. And, there, and so I started asking them, how many types of rocks are there? And then I said, okay, let's write about what you know. So then they all had to write about what they know. So they all wrote about it. And then they turned around and then they had to research what they missed. So then they got to research it and then they got to add. So when it was all said and done, the kids got really excited. They were all working and they were all uh, trying to find pictures to go with what their paragraphs were about. And uh, anyway, that's that's one thing that I did, yeah. So, but oh, go ahead, go ahead. Keep well, going. no, there was another time when it was science, and I was in there trying to get the science people to like me because I, they, well, people that what they don't realize, yeah, I was an academic coach, right? I had to help all the subjects. I, I wasn't just a literacy coach. I had to help all the subjects. And so the science department were like, yeah, you're reading. You can't help us. You're reading. You can't help us. And so they were having a struggle on their STAR test on this particular standard. I said, well, you know, if I, and I just happened to be in their PLC meeting that day. And I said, you know, I think if I were teaching this, this is what I would do. And so I told them what all I would do. And they all stared at me like dumbfounded. And then they turned around and said, can you teach that for us? Can you come around to all of our classes and do that? And I said, and I was trying to break in with them. And I said, sure. When do you need me to help you? And they go in 10 minutes. (laughs) And I mean, I ran to my room, I grabbed supplies. (laughs) I came back and you know what? Uh, They were very successful on that particular standard. So it worked out. So yes, I have done it. So that's something as much as I, you know, I wouldn't say I can't do that, but I, I, I can't do it nearly 
as well as you can. So this is where that comes from. That was a long detour, ladies and gentlemen. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to Craft and Draft. Uh, if you're new here, subscribe. Don't miss anything. Uh, we podcast every single week. Voice here or not, we show up uh, to create a podcast about reading in writing workshop. We have so many episodes. Go back and check out our backlog after you subscribe. You can also support us on Patreon. We get bonus episodes. We just dropped our third bonus episode. They're about three hours, give or take, of extra content over there. There is also, uh, for our listener plus, you can find our Craft and Draft demo video that is only accessible through that and to support and show our appreciation, which I didn't realize this, but it's really a perfect timing for teacher appreciation. We did an extra uh, lesson guide um, video, which those of you who are subscribers to the podcast, we did that audio here, but we released the video over there for all of our Patreons, regardless of their level of support. So we just wanted to show some love, show some uh, a, a thank you for there. So if you go to the Patreon, there's so much content over there already, and we're just going to continue adding to it. So it's a wonderful time to go support us over there. You can find that link at craftandraftworkshop.com or in the body of this post, or you can just search Patreon for Craft and Draft, and you will find us. And that gives you first in line for questions, comments. We go to them first for everything. And you might just get a whole episode dedicated to your question, which sometimes we do over here on the free feed, but we do definitely try to do that over there on the podcast uh the the special episodes over there but let's get to the actual conversation all right 16 minutes in miss ochoa good lord oops it's okay <laughs> you know what the my, i think i've said this before but my favorite podcast i listen to sometimes they're they, their intro like because they'll like it's like four people you know and they'll have like they'll go through their intros and they get on these detours like 30 minutes in they're like oh we haven't introed the show or like i have another podcast i listen to where they it's kind of like a running joke that they don't intro until the end it's because they always forget and by the time they're like oh yeah that's them that's them that's them thank you for listening bye <laughs> and it's just it's it's funny so i i'm i'm glad we're we're keeping with tradition i suppose of the of the podcasting space but in any case let's talk about what we're doing this is testing season it's april 30th as of recording this episode. Um, we're going into May. We literally only have like 14 days of school left, right? I mean, it's, or, or somewhere around there. It's really not that much. And if you count testing days, it's even less. Um, on the inside, I'm crying because I'm about to lose all of my eighth graders, the rightfully empowered kids who I see all the time. You see them all the time because they come visit me in my classroom all the time. And, uh, it's going to be a tear fest for sure. But other than that, I mean, the year's closing, it's always, I don't know. How do you feel? about years closing. I always, you know, there's a, it's happy because, you know, it's, you know, we're ending and sometimes it's good to end things and kind of move on and summers are nice and all this other stuff. You think of all the things you can do in vacations and everything else, but I always, I get kind of sad because it's like, I mean, it's, it's the ending of something. I mean, we've spent, you know, a whole year with these human beings in our care. And, you know, a lot, some of them are crazy and some of them are hard to deal with, but most of them are incredible young people that we get to experience. And it just, I don't know, kind of makes me sad. I don't know. After all of this time, do you still, do you have a, a mixed emotions about the end of the year coming? Yeah, I start, I start, uh, yeah, I miss the kids. I mean, I start thinking about the ones that uh, just now, I mean, there's a few of them that have just come along and they're, you can tell they're starting to appreciate what we're doing. And it's like, they're just now starting to appreciate it. And it's like, oh, we just have a few weeks left, you know? And so uh, that part is, I wish I could go back and figure out a way to develop some of that a little bit faster. I'm sure there's a way. And so then I start thinking, what can I do next year to make sure that I develop these uh, relationships a little bit faster? Uh then there's the other students. I've got about five that give me grief, if you will. And what I mean by give me grief, they I think they like me. They just like to play. <laughs> and so I'm always having to go sit down, sit down, sit down. And I'm always, they don't get to see the nice Ochoa as often as the other group does. So, uh, so but but I think that they they're starting to appreciate me a little bit. Like they're sitting down when I ask them to now. So that's kind of a wonderful thing. Of course, it's taken all year. So, uh, yeah, I have mixed emotions. I, I always have. 
and what's really neat is when, um, like I, I shared about four uh, podcasts back, when I ran into a student, uh, there was one I ran into that left at COVID. And, you know, there were some, th- I think that was the hardest year is when we left and they didn't get to come back. So there was no finality. And so I've seen two uh, students since then, and they'll like come up and hug me even in the restaurant or wherever I run into them. So, so that's always nice. Uh, I, uh, you know, when they come back and say hello. So I know you're going to be missing your eighth graders because they are, he's not exaggerating. They are at his door in the morning. They are at his door. How come, how come Mr. Chastain's not here yet, Miss Ochoa? <laughs> Can I come sit in your room until he gets here? And we'll be right in the middle of a conversation and he'll walk down the hallway and they go, okay, never mind. And then they run. And I'm like, wait, we were having a great conversation. No, Mr. Chastain's first. So I know there's going to be some tears there. That, oh that's a God. special relationship. I, I, You know what's funny is I've talked to our, our partner, who we reference all the time on here, and we won't name her until she comes on the show. But uh, she, she, <laughs> she, she laughed at me one day, and she said, we have a, a – a codependent relationship, me and these students. And I was trying to think about why, like why we're so close. Like, why is it like this? Cause I've, I've, you know, I'm very close to the kids that are now they're going to be their sophomores now, but they're about to be juniors. I love that group. That was the group that I became teacher of the year with. <clears throat> and I left for a year. Uh, and then when I came back, they were uh, eighth graders. Um, but they're, they're absolutely amazing. I love those kids, but this group now is 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 so unique. I'm literally friends with all of their parents. Like when we did at the beginning of the year when they uh, came back, right, and they were doing like meet the teacher. I had the new students, but then I had this line of parents from last year or from the year before coming in. Uh, to talk to me and like, be like, you know, Hey, we just wanted to thank you for all, you know, the two years you had with them and all this other stuff. And like, I still get, I got an email from a parent this week that said, Hey, from an eighth grader, uh, they're like, Hey, my student loves you. You know, you're, you're their favorite teacher. They're having a rough time. Will you, will you look out for them and kind of check on them? So like that relationship is, is so deep that like it's the families know me and I know them. And we, we have this correspondence still to this day of just kind of checking in on each other. And, you know, they were in the book, but the book wasn't the book exists because of them. I'm not close to them because the book, like, you know what I mean? Like they, they are in it because of that, that unique situation. But I think what really built that relationship was because I looped up with them during that time of what you said of COVID where we went home, they were in sixth grade when we went home, you know, in whatever month that was, uh, they, yeah, in March, I, you know, we stayed in contact and there was times where we would just do Zooms, but I knew early on, like late March almost, that I was looping up. Like we were already having those conversations with my principal. It was already set in stone. Um, It was already in play. And so I told them really early. And so what happened was, is we, I... We, we set up a, a special kind of like club, I so to speak, to where we met like every – like it wasn't every week because sometimes we were busy or I was gone or whatever. But it was like every two weeks or so. We just got as many kids as we could on Zoom uh, and we just hung out and chatted and we talked about writing and we talked about what books they're reading. But more importantly, we just stayed in contact, right? Because you, you got to remember that these kids are going through a pandemic that no <laughs> that they haven't gotten – people haven't gone through in 100 years, right? And so they were confused and worried and it was weird being sent home and they can't go outside and they can't like you know play with their friends and all this other stuff. Uh And so I was, we kind of had that, like that constant. Right. And I think that is what built it because they got to stay with me. And then when I looped up with them and some of them stayed online and some of them came back, we had that connection to where, where kids, where teachers had to build relationships from scratch online, right. With, with those digital kids, um, and, and kind of do that. I didn't have to, I mean, some of them did like I didn't, all, all the kids weren't, uh, the kids that I had, right. Some of them were new or whatever, but a lot of them weren't, I would say about 74% of them were returning and I knew who they were and we had already contact and they had been writing all summer. Like Viviana Castro, who is the most, uh, featured author in rightfully empowered. She was writing all summer long. 
And she was writing before that. And a lot of them were. A lot of the ones featured in Ryan Flay Power were the ones writing all summer. And so when we came back and we started Workshop, it wasn't, here's the rules. Hi, I'm Chastain. It was, we just started. And I was like, hey, I've been thinking about this mini lesson. Let's go. And so these relationships were built through this 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 time of turmoil and strangeness and uncertainty. Uh, and it's just unreal. It's absolutely unreal that it, that we're still like that. And I was, that's why I love talking to Erin Gruel, you know, the freedom writers person, because she still does things with those students that she taught. And I told my students, I was like, guys, you know, if y'all are down, we'll do a, a rightfully empowered reboot when y'all graduate. And, you know, we'll go off and we'll, we'll do writing conferences with people because a lot of them want to be teachers and a lot of them want to be writers because of these experiences. And that's just it's just such a unique thing, but in any case, I, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we're, we're talking uh, about what we're doing. <laughs> that, well, and this is partly what we're doing, right? I mean, for us, I mean, because we see these kids every uh, on our club days and uh, and stuff, and and we kind of go into them. But um, this is the stuff that inspires me to do what we do now because the growth that I had with them is the growth that we're I, that I'm seeing for sure in my students right now because. Um, I'll talk a little bit about my final project, I guess, but um, the, the, I want to ask you a question so I give my voice a, a small break. But when it when it comes to your, uh, do you feel that like this time, this 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 time of reflection, like there's there's a magic to watching kids kind of realize where they come from. Like it's it's like a, there's something clicks and they're like, oh, I've made it. I've made it through a year. I, I've done this. I've I've read this much. I've I've written this much. Even for kids that have struggled through those things, there's this there's a magic to this reflective time. I don't know. Do, are you feeling that right now? Is it is it too early to be feeling that, or are you starting to transition to that? Well, I really am not transitioning to that right now, as far as with this particular group. However, uh, through our uh, star prep and through my data talks um it's been really kind of neat to watch the students come in and i show them their data and their lines are going up and and uh i I, i'll say things like this is where you were this is where you are and just watching their faces go oh my gosh that's a lot of growth miss ochoa i mean they see it and so it's really kind of neat and then and then what that does is it motivates them to keep trying uh, and so that's that's very helpful. Uh, now, what I'm doing right now is I'm finishing up two novels. So I, I chose with our partner to do the two novels that they're doing. And then after Star, I'm going to probably do more of a reflective thing then. So I haven't done the reflective yet. Uh, and and uh, where they go back in through their things and they look at over all of their work. We, we have done that with test, but we haven't done that with their, with their writing and with their work at this point. Uh, but, but I do know that my students are at the end of that, their craft and draft books and both of them are filled and they're out of space and they're like, they can't believe all the work they've done. And so they'll make comments about all the work that they've done. But right now what we're doing is we're finishing up, a, we're finishing up some novels. So I want to ask you though, like during this time, uh, are you, Oh, I know we talked about this on the bonus episode, but some of these people haven't heard it. Uh, what, are you like over test prepping right now or like nothing but test prep or how are you balancing kind of this, you know, we're about a week out from our state test, but the last, like, you know, last week and then going into this week, what's your, what's your frame look like? Cause you, you know, you're talking about the, like these novels and whatnot. What's uh just, I want, I want to hear and let other people hear how you're kind of balancing the, the, the authentic stuff that we love with the, the necessary stuff that we have to do. Well, what the, the, the way my, my classroom looks right now is they walk in and uh, I'll either have them write or they'll read or, or they'll read. And I alternate the days on that. And when I say what they write, I might pull some, a quote from the book, you know, that deals with the theme. And then I'll put it in kind of a, a, a way, you know, like a, a sentence starter or something and then ask them to write about it. So I've done that. And then, or, uh, you know, they, they've, most of them have had to turn in their library books as a librarian starting to close shop, but they are going to my, my 
classroom library. This is where my classroom library has been very helpful. And they'll go over there and they've been, some of them been reading a book. And so they'll either read the first 10 minutes. Most of the time they're reading and then maybe three days of the week they're reading and two days we're writing. Uh, Just where it's just like a free ride at the beginning. And then after that, um, I've been, one of the things that my students have had a hard time with and on the, on the test is uh, paired passages. Okay. And that's a difficult part of the test. And what we're really having trouble with, and with my group, it doesn't seem like when I look at your scores, because we have to, we share our scores. So we see what each other does just for everybody. I mean, I know exactly how well Jacob is doing on his, you know, uh, standards and he knows how well I'm doing on my standards. So we, we, we go all the way down to the standard. So anyway, but one of the things that my kids that I've noticed have have trouble every time we do fiction, and that is dealing with the standard that deals with multiple themes, themes across multiple text, right? So what I've been doing is pairing um, articles and poems with my novel. So in The Outsiders, um, I just got put it. We read an article on um, the clownfish and the anemone. I hope I said that right. And the dove and the ant. Well, isn't, that, the isn't that the word they struggle with in Finding Nemo? Oh, yes. That dumb, <laughs> and, 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 and I better watch it because I'll be having trouble with it. The kids are having trouble with it. So, But we read the little this little article. All right. And it was about the symbiotic relationship between the clownfish and the anemone. Okay. Then we have read the article, The Dove and the Ant. So both of those deal with relationships. So we're now dealing with the relationships that we find in the outsiders. So my question to the students are, is, my question is, who has a symbiotic relationship? Now that you know what a symbiotic relationship is. And so then they were like saying, oh, well, Johnny and Dally have a, have a, you know, th- those kinds of things. Well, then the dove and the ant is an Aesop's fable. And so that's really a fable in this. And that's dealing with it. The dove helps the ant and keeps him from drowning. And then later on, because the dove helped the ant, the ant turns around and helps the dove, right? So we help those who help ourselves, right? Those kind of things. We help our, each other. And so that said, who's got the dev and the ant relationship? And they just, and now we're at the point where they just now realize that Cherry Balance is a spy. And they were like, ah, oh, that's the dev and the ant relationship. So we're actually having those conversations. And then after, and then they're keeping this, um, you know, they're, they're recording all of this, their responses to this in their notebooks. And then uh, then I'll say, okay, now we're going to do three lessons. Uh, not three lessons, but three questions. So I've read an article, another article to them from Star. And then we're going through the questions for this, this story. It's not really an article, it's a story. Because my kids seem to struggle with fiction more than they do nonfiction, apparently, in my particular group. And so uh, what we're doing now is I am showing them and I'm modeling for them how I would take the test. And then they, we go over the questions. So uh, I talk, I talk them through it. I told them that I didn't really want them writing anything or anything. I just want them to watch me take this test and then ask me questions that they have as to how did I know that was the answer if they have any questions. But then I bring them into my conversations uh, because it's a think aloud is what I've been doing. And then we might conclude with finishing up whatever they need to do for their notebook, or we might finish up reading the the novel. Uh, I kind of alternate that depending on what we didn't get to. That's kind of what my lessons look like right now. Yeah. I mean, it sounds very similar to, uh, what I'm doing, I mean, obviously different contexts, but it's the it's just the whole balance of you know giving them the skills they need, focusing on the test while also kind of doing, uh, you know, some of the other things that are going down. You know, one thing that I found myself leaning on right now is uh, I'm trying not to overkill them because I know we have a big elementary audience, but in and and I I think this is probably true for elementary, but in middle school especially, uh, this is it feels like. Um, and our audience could correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like middle school sometimes is where 
this uh, test prep can just become so defeating and and, and, mm-hmm. and beat you down because I mean it's it's uh they're going from class to class right and so you know especially in eighth grade eighth grade right. they have four tests so that's four test prep like I have some of my students are like oh my god I have a a packet to do here and a packet to do there and it's just always multiple choice over and over and over again and. For our uh, seventh graders, you know, they have, they used to have reading, writing, and math. This year they just have, <clears throat> they just have reading and writing. Um, and, and even that, though, can be kind of a beating, is just the, the, the overfocus. And they have tutorials and they have normal tests, right? They have tests in social studies and they have tests in science still, even though they don't have the, the state test to kind of prep for. And so it just becomes so much. And I've, you know, I if it, if I was a principal, I would uh, ensure that every teacher was taking this into account, and and we were kind of balancing what we were doing with other contents. Um, that isn't something that necessarily is a focus of our campus, um, so that doesn't happen. So I take it upon myself to every once in a while, uh, you know, I I kind of break the monotony of it a little bit. So like this last week, for instance. I did a great lesson that was actually really beneficial. It connected to my final project that we're doing, but it was for anyone who wants to do this. I strongly recommend it as a quick ride. I think it's astounding. I've done it three years in a row for three different reasons, mind you. I've, I've done it just in three different ways, but it's a it's a video from Jason Momoa. For those of you who don't know who he is, he was uh, in Game of Thrones. He's Aquaman. You know, he's the buff dude with a beard and long hair. I'm sure all the women know him. Um, I know him because, uh, good Lord. Anyway, he... Uh, <laughs> But he is he's he's a, he's a he does these YouTube videos that are phenomenal. Like they're so good. Like and they're just kind of they're kind of narrated by him, and sometimes they're about his life or whatever he does. But he has this one called "The Canvas of My Life." It's had like a couple million views or whatever, but it's amazing. He talks about always wanting to be a dad, right, and kind of doing that. But he he goes into like giving his students his eyes and he used a lot of figurative language with talking about like showing them art. He, in one part he goes, I want them to know art. I want them to know music and I want them to dance because if they can dance and they can create, if they can create, then they can do all of this. And it's just, there's so, I mean, it's, it's eight minutes. It's not very long, but it's engaging. It's, it's shot very well. It's narrated by him. And it's interesting because he's a celebrity and whatnot, but it's, it's what happens there. And I've, even though he's talking about kind of fatherhood, um, I think kids relate to it because it's so much about identity, right? And and that is what our students are obsessed with right now, right? That is what this generation cares about, that for, for better or for worse. The identity is what is a part of them. And I think it's interesting, especially our the age group that we serve. I mean, I guess identity has always been a thing. I think it's just kind of doubled down these days, but... It's so interesting to to let them watch this video and then ask them. My question that I asked them kind of as the quick right afterwards was he talks about his pants and how like because it has like drawings on it and they're ripped and he talks about he sews them and all this other stuff and he's just had these pants for a long time. He talks about when people when he's gone. He says, my great, my grandkids, my great grandkids, they're going to find these pants and they're going to know that this was the canvas of my life. And I, my question was, what would be, if you disappeared today or if you were gone or whatever, what would be the canvas of your life? What would be something that people would find? And they're like, oh, this is yours. Right. And, uh, I remember I, when I was doing this, I asked them that I had them think, and I was trying to think of mine. I ever, for my blocks, I always try to do something different for each. Cause I don't want to just rehash what I say. Um, and my first one, I did drums, which was easy. My next one I had struck my, I troubled with, I struggled with one of my students goes, Oh, Chastity, you should do your suits. Right. Cause I wear a suit every day. And I was like, Oh, that's a good one. And so like, I wrote about my suits and then another one I wrote about the like, kids love shoes, right? They're obsessed with shoes. Oh, and yeah. so I wrote about my shoes because I wear vans with my suits and they're 
you know, they start nice, but you know, they're scratched up and they're, you know, they got some mud on them. They're dinged, they're creased as the kids say. And I wrote about how, you know, when they find these, they'll know that I showed up to work every day that I showed up and they're creased because I bent down to talk on kids levels. And, you know, and so I was doing like this, this quick ride and kids came up with really fascinating, uh, responses. And that led to, cause they have to, part of their project is writing, about something that influenced them this year, something that was a part of their life in a in a in a major way, and so that's where that connection came from, right? And so even though that mini lesson wasn't it. It was, I mean, there was content there. I mean, we were doing a quick write, but it was making personal connections. It was doing all of this. It was synthesizing information. Um, it, I was trying to be a catalyst for their thinking to a piece. Um, it, it was a powerful moment, but it served as kind of a break because it took the whole time. I mean, we it was about 20 minutes to do an eight-minute video discussion and then a quick write and then a share, right? Um but it, it was powerful and that was it. And then the next day I did a small piece with some questions and I feel like there are more likely to kind of take part in that more school part of the, the passage and questions. If we break that up with some stuff, I think that's what, uh, you know, you and your partner, your partner, you and our partner, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the novels that y'all been doing doing the outsiders and the giver and whatnot. I think that has kind of helped y'all, uh, navigate this testing, uh, world right now because y'all get to always go back to that. And of course that lends itself to questions and stuff when you want to do that, but it also lends itself to a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, I think it's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's important to kind of dabble in and dabble out. And I understand, I, I feel like sometimes this gets missed at this time of year for teachers because they're so they're stressed out about their scores, right? They're like, Oh my God, we, we don't have any time for quick writes. It's the same reason writing gets pushed to the side all the time, right? Is because it's like, no, we, we don't have a test. We have to get kids ready for this. They need all the practice in the world. But I would argue taking the time to do these things. I honestly, I think it, it's, it's worth the time. It, it, if writing is not worth the time in our classrooms, even, even in testing season, then I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I just believe that it is. I mean, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think one of the, well, you know, doing the novel, one of the things that I have noticed with this particular group is as I shared earlier, they're not that strong when it comes to story. They're really good with nonfiction. And when they go pick books off my shelf, they always pick the nonfiction books a lot of times, this particular group. I've never really had a group like that. They usually pick stories or novels. But this one really likes this uh, nonfiction. Well, it shows when we take those the tests that we've taken. But what's interesting is the fact that we're reading this novel together. You know, there's there's two sides of thoughts. You know, some people think, well, you can't spend all this time on one novel. You're not getting all this stuff done. But the thing is, is is, well, I also incorporate the books on my library, and I sometimes often tie that into what we're going to do. Like, for example, when I'm talking about dynamic characters and static characters, um, we we had that conversation, and then I said, okay, who's the dynamic character in your book that you're reading right now? You know, that kind of thing. So I tie things back to it. But what I found is they're not as stressed over the test Right now, or at least they're not acting out like they're stressed over the test because they're walking into my class going, hey, are we going to get to read that novel today? I mean, it's all of the kids. Are you going to get, are we going to get to read that out? Because I haven't read it every day because I've been pairing it with other readings and, and writing. So, so we've been reading it at least every other day, but we don't read it every day, but almost every day. Are we going to, are we going to get to, are we going to, and I mean, they're like excited. And so they're really, their mind is not on the test as much. They know it's coming because I'll mention it. How, how long do we have? You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't put all that on the board, but, um, but they know, they know it's here and they know they just have a week left. I mean, they've made that clear to me that there's just a week left. And one of them said, uh, last week, Ms. Ochoa, we don't have very much longer. Are we going to ever actually study for the test? <laughs> That's what they asked me. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, I mean, 
you really haven't gone over the test. You haven't shown us the test yet. And I said, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that the last two weeks. And what I'm going to do is just do a few questions a day. There's no reason to stress because see, here's the thing. We've been reading all year. We've been taking tests all year. You're ready for this thing. You're ready. So there's no reason for me to have to cram everything in. But what I am going to do is show you how to read the questions. And so that's, and so that kind of gave them uh, this idea that, yeah, they are getting right. Cause like you said, it's, it's down there. Everybody's talking about the test, right? And all their other questions, uh, all their other classes, the math test, especially the math test, the math test. And they're, they're getting all this work. Like, Some of them have brought this work into my classroom and I'm like, well, after you do my work, you know, that very last few minutes, sometimes I'll let them uh, do math just to kind of ease their mind a little bit because they're really pressured about that right now. So, but they're like, well, how come you're not preparing? And I don't want them to think I'm not preparing them. I want them to walk in there knowing that they are ready. And so this little last bit is mainly just to kind of give them a peace of mind to know that I'm not forgotten the test because they have this idea. Maybe their parents are asking them, what are you going to do about the test? You know, I've got this one parent that emails me at least every two weeks. How's, how's my child doing? Is he, is he getting ready for the test? Do you think he's going to pass the test? So, you know, that that's go that's with my honors kids. So, you know, that there's some pressure there from some of the parents. So, so just me talking, about it, but not making a big deal out of it. I mean, I spend maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. It just depends. I read my crowd, so to speak. And if they're, if they're like not engaged, then we go, okay, well, we'll do the other three tomorrow, you know, that kind of thing. And they're like, and and we'll move on to the next thing. So that's, I don't know if I answered your question. I know that was a long discussion, but, um, but that is how I'm, I'm handling it. Well, I, I think you did answer it, but I have one last kind of, I want to capstone to this and I, w- I want to okay. pitch it to you, which is, you know, this is, this is a, a wild times. You know, I've, I've been through testing seasons where I've been incredibly stressed out and I've also had testing seasons where I'm incredibly relaxed. This is one of the ones where I'm incredibly relaxed because our data has been consistent across the board. Our state interims have matched our data from our tests that we've done. Everything we've done has been very repeatable, right? We've had like, there's some outliers. Like there was one test where I was absent for like three days leading up to it. And my kids did atrocious. Um, But then I came back and we, Fixed it. My kids did atrocious. Yeah, I'm kidding. But like you know, we have those moments where like there's something off or whatever. But Mm -hmm. by and large, our data is incredibly consistent, and we're trending uh, as great as last year. And in some cases, we're doing better, um, which is phenomenal for us. So I'm very relaxed at both our scores and just uh, our department scores. I mean, it also helps that we're a very strong department. We have very good synergy. We're very focused. Um, a lot of us are workshop teachers. A lot of us have great practices, even our newer team members. So I'm not really worried about it, but for teachers who are right for teachers who might not be as fortunate as we are. And we've, I think we've both been in that situation. We've both been in that, that dark place where you're like, Oh my God, this is just not going to be good. No matter what happens, you know, what's your advice for someone that might be in that situation? Maybe they're a new teacher. Maybe they're a teacher that's been doing it for a while. That's just on a team that, uh, isn't being successful or maybe they're just not seeing the success that they would like. What would you say to them? Well, in this like, late part of the game because really it's just a few weeks left i would look over the any kind of test that you've given i would look over their standards and i would pick a standard or two i wouldn't do more than three okay and i would add two or three standards i've chosen multiple themes as one of my standards, as I just mentioned. And I would only fine-tune those that are close enough to get the kids one more question right. If they could get one more question right, then that's going to lift their scores. So I would actually just focus on those one or two standards, maybe three, if you can get it in, but definitely one or two. And I would, I would look at the questions. I would let the kids see how 
how they ask those questions. And I would tweak just a little bit, uh, you know, maybe do a little practice with them, a short practice, a little brief practice here and there. I wouldn't, uh, at this point, there's, I don't think any bit of cramming is going to help. I think all it's going to do is make it really, really uh stressful for the students. So I would just make sure that they're reading, make sure they're writing, make sure they're sharing, make sure they're discussing, make sure that they know you've got their back and encourage them. This is the time to coach and encourage them. One other thing that I've done in the past, and I'm probably going to do it, it'll probably be this next Friday or Thursday. And I learned this from someone else. Um, It was a conference I went to, and I can't name the person, so I'm sorry if that person's listening, (laughs) and I don't know who you are, but um, it was a really neat thing, and it's about reflection, and it was, you put the students in in this thinking mode, okay, it's in the future. You just now got your test scores back, and you mastered this test. Write a note to your mom or to your best friend and explain to them what you did that made sure you mastered it. And tell me all about the strategies and the things that you used and how did you go about reading the text? How did you go about taking the answering the questions? So talk, you, you mastered it. What all did you do to make that happen? And I want you to write me about a page. And... I have done that lots of times and that seems to be really helpful because what it does is it, it is a mental rehearse. They get to mentally rehearse what they're going to do. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode of Craft and Draft. Hopefully this was what you needed at this time. Uh, If you want more of Craft and Draft, you can subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. It gets delivered right to you. Why wouldn't you subscribe? If you're having fun now, imagine the fun you'll have if you're subscribed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry. I make myself laugh. You know, after you literally talk for hours and hours on a podcast over time, you know, it's just becomes something you just want to play with a little bit. But anyway, you can do that. You can also support us over there on Patreon. We can get bonus episodes, bonus content. We have videos over there. We got extra episodes no one hears except for patrons. You can be a patron just like Courtney, Rebecca, Sarah, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia are over there. They get first in line for questions. They can DM us directly. They get first dibs on pretty much everything, uh, including some of the exclusive merch over there that you can find that's only on Patreon. It's only if you support us. So we have a listener and listener plus plus tier that you can do to support us over there. But if you don't want to support us on Patreon or you just cannot do it because times are tough or for whatever reason, doesn't really matter. Subscribe to a missing other episodes, review and share this with your PLC PLN. Come back next week for another fantastic episode. If you want a question answered, send us a DM. Remember all first DMs go through Patreon, but they don't ask a question all the time. So you can send us. We'll probably answer the question in some way or fashion over here. We love answering your questions over there on the podcast. Thank you for listening. You know that we are here for you. <laughs>